Welcome to Jesus Pursuits Weekly Sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our guest speakers, Ty and Demi Butler. Today I'm really, really blessed to introduce, if you haven't been here this weekend, how many of you came to the Rooted Workshop? Raise your hands. A lot of you are there. It was so good. So good. We love, we just love what God is doing when he's speaking. We want to hear his voice. We want to know his heartbeat. We want to move when he moves. And that's the prophetic. And so it was just a really, really great time of diving deep into what is the prophetic? How do you establish and cultivate and live in a prophetic culture? And, um, you know, we've had a lot of prophetic voices in this house. How many of you know that just about anybody, like Paul Kane, Bob Jones, Paul Keith Davis, Larry Randolph, Bobby Connor, uh, Graham Cook, Katie Souza, Patricia King. I mean, I can keep going down the list. There's many, many more that I'm... Kim Clement. How can we forget Kim Clement? Many, many times. Mark Sharona. Um, Lance Wallnow. I can start listing off more people that you love. Dutch Sheets. Chuck Pierce. Stacey Campbell, there's so many more. I'm not going to keep going, but you get the point. We've had a lot of prophetic voices in our house. I've heard a lot of prophetic teaching. This was the most articulate, practical application. Grab a hold of it and run with it. This was the most healthy I have ever heard. Honestly, this was the best presentation and prophetic messages I have ever heard, and I am not blowing smoke. It is the truth. I was just so thankful to have these friends of ours in our house, and the world doesn't know their name yet, but heaven does, and that's what really matters, and it's the authenticity, the integrity, the character, the life laid down to cultivate this in their community is real, I'm honored to be their friends. I'm thankful. They are, um, they've quickly become some of the closest people in the kingdom in my life. And um, Denine and I get together and encourage each other in the Lord on a regular basis. They are the senior pastors of Father's House in Portland. They planted that church with Stephen Deb Trujillo. It's an amazing prophetic apostolic community that has, is bringing transformation in the city of Portland. Uh, please join me in honoring my friends, Ty and Deneen Botler. They're going to minister this morning, and believe me when I say it's an honor to have them in our house. It's all true. You're welcome. I love you guys. We feel absolutely no pressure after that introduction. Just be awesome. Well, I know Deneen has no problem being awesome. I will try my best. Yeah, yeah. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Emily. Um, 
Yeah, we, we, love, we love Jesus' pursuit. Man, we, we love this, this house. We've been coming here and uh, partaking of what you guys have been releasing into the Northwest now for uh, close to a decade, and I uh, wish I knew you guys even before then. But I, I love how God makes those type of connections that you know it is God. You know that he is doing something in that relationship, and, and we just make each other better. And you guys have made us better. Uh, and we appreciate all that you guys have done and poured into uh, just not only your city, but to, into the region. You guys have truly, truly helped shape and bring transformation to our area. And, man, it's such an honor to be here today. And, uh, and we'll just see what the Holy Spirit has to do. I know he has some really significant things. There's a, a few really powerful uh, words that we believe God wants to release over us. There's an invitation to enter into some significant things today for us. And uh, we're, we're excited for that. Um, you know, it's always a little bit of an interesting thing when you show up and no one knows who you are. And, and so you can try to convince people to listen to you. But it is what it is. You're going to listen. And because I have the microphone, Deneen has the microphone. And uh, you have no choice today. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but we, we hope that there's going to be something inside of your heart that just bears witness. Because... Uh, again, like I said, there is an invitation today into some really significant things the Lord wants to release uh, into the body today. Um, we've, uh, Emily said we are now the senior leaders of a church called Father's House in Portland. We were birthed uh, almost 25 years ago in, into the heart of the city with a heart for transformation. And we were, for pretty much the entire entirety of the church, we've been a special forces unit. We've been on the ground. Uh, we're, we were those crazy people who were in the middle of the riots a few years ago. Uh, we weren't the people doing the rioting. We, we were the people who were trying to help defuse the riots. We were bringing the, the presence of God, the peace of God. We were praying. And I want to tell you, there was some pretty significant things that was happening. Um, it could have been a lot better. The Lord used uh, our house, and many others, and we weren't the only ones who uh, did some really significant things. But we're the crazy people that are on the streets every single week. Um, we're the crazy people who, uh, who goes and, and lays hands on people and sees the, the, the miracles happen and salvations happen uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't want to say it's normal because it's never normal to experience the miraculous. It's pretty absolutely amazing, and we never want to get to a point where we're like, oh, yeah, you know, that guy was healed of cancer. That's cool. No. It's, it's a celebration, and it's, a, it's an absolute honor to be God's hands and feet. But there's been a little bit of a shift over this last season with our house in that we uh, still believe and we are still contending for transformation that's on our heart. But the Lord is shifting our house and our perspective from a a special forces unit to now an occupying force. And what that looks like, God knows. We're just going to start going with him like we haven't already, but we have been. And we'll just see what he has for us. And it's, it's a really exciting season. The Lord laid uh, a word on our house that we are going from a season of David to a season of Solomon. 
And there's a lot of things to that, but obviously we know that uh, David had his mighty men, and they went in, they, they, they conquered a lot of different things. They went in, they, they stormed the enemy, they had a lot of victories, and uh, violent victories. But when things shifted to a season of Solomon, things shifted how they won. Now, I'm not saying Solomon was perfect. I think he made maybe a few mistakes in how he went about doing it, but one of the big shifts that the Lord did in the season of Solomon is the Lord brought the resources to the nation versus the nation going and apprehending them. And I believe that's part of the call of the body of Christ in this season too. Uh, I know some people have been warring a lot more than other people, but this is a season for the body of Christ to enter into and to grab a hold of what God is releasing he is giving the resources, and this isn't just about money. This isn't just about we need to be over everything. But he's giving things to, for the body of Christ to steward, and it's going to be done in a new way, and it's going to be done in a significant way. And are we going to be able to recognize those things as he gives them to us? And so that's what not just our call. I believe it's a call on the entire body of Christ to recognize when God is giving something so we can steward it well. Amen? All right. You have something to add? Well, we have two amazing children, <laughs> Trenton and Kylie, and um, they are uh, 22 and 18, respectively. And um, so we just wanted to share that we have a family. We have a life, <laughs> too. And um, we're really happy to be here today. And we're, like Ty said, honored. And we're excited just to see... Um, all of you and what you're doing here in Albany, it's amazing to walk into an atmosphere and feel family. And we feel that here. We feel the anointing. We feel the presence of God. And um, we love that. We love that kindred spirit. And we just know that God is bringing breakthrough and bringing some things in this next hour um, to this region. And you guys are part of that. You're part of bringing that. And so we're just so excited to be here. And we're so excited just to dive into what God has this morning. Speaking of that, um, I, I love that the house, your guys' house, um, uh, has a, a passion for worship, and it's super powerful, and it's super important. Uh, I just want to I, I encourage you guys with something. Um, a few years ago, and it was before the actual uh, 2020 riots, I think it was like one or two years before that, it was a 2000. 18 or 19 this summer, and we partner with a bunch of churches in Pioneer Square. How many people know who, what Pioneer Square is in downtown Portland? It's, it's called uh, Portland's Living Room. It's just a wide open square in the middle of downtown, and it's where they have a lot of different um, events and concerts and whatnot. But, whatnot. but we partner with different churches, and we just do a, a day of worship there. It's called, uh, what is it called? Heaven's Gates or No. Heaven Earth Festival, there it is. And uh, so we've been a part of that for many, many years. And this one year, uh, it was set for, I think, August something. And um, about a week before the event, uh, Antifa put out, I don't know how they put it out, maybe it was on their social media, that they were going to come downtown Portland and completely wreak havoc. And it'll be the worst thing Portland has ever seen in its history. And they're going to completely terrorize things and tear everything down. And uh, us, this is our neighborhood. This is where we're at. We're like, well, we can't let that happen. And so um, 
you know, not, not that we're like the enemy dictates what we do, but we do have to be aware of what the enemy is doing. Uh, and so we went out as a preempt, preemptive strike throughout the entire week, and we prayer walked every single street in downtown like multiple times. Uh, we prophetically got the voice of God, what he wanted to release instead, and we declared it, we released it, and we just put it on the streets so there would be nothing in the ground that could come and affect chaos, which Antifa wanted to do. And so because of their threat, the city of Portland said, hey, we need to cancel all events that's happening at Pioneer Square. So they said, uh, normally they're the ones who set up the stage and all the sound and all that stuff. And they said, hey, we can't, we can't stop you from just coming, but there's going to be no stage. There's not going to be any sound. There's not going to be anything. And we actually encourage you not to come because we can't protect you if something happens. And so I got a call from the guy who's, who heads up this whole thing, and he's like, uh, uh, we understand if you don't want to come and still be part of it, but we're thinking of maybe just going down with a couple guitars and uh, still worshiping. And I'm like, of course we want to come. We're not going to miss out on this. There's something really cool that's going to happen. And so we showed up with just a few guitars. We started worshiping. And uh, as we were doing that for about an hour, someone comes up to the square and said, hey, they're heading this way. So a giant mob of Antifa starts coming, and the people in the square, there were still some security. They said, hey, let's, let's go underneath. There's a kind of a little shelter area uh, with some doors. And said, let's, let's go in there, so kind of hide out uh, until they pass through. And as everyone starts shuffling through there, I was like, okay. And I was kind of one of the last ones out, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to see what happens. And so I go back out. And I just heard the Holy Spirit. He said, just watch and wait. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to show you something. And so I did. I, I just sat on the side of the square, and I watched as uh, hundreds of, well, first, which is a really interesting thing. It kind of opened our eyes to what has been happening over, well, it's probably even before then, but people don't. Uh, understand what actually is being, what's actually leading a lot of these types of riots, is I saw three or four people come into the square, sit down in the middle of the square in a circle, and start doing all of their enchantments, casting all their spells. These three people were leading the entire mob. They went before everywhere they went to set the atmosphere and set the ground. And open our eyes to actually when all the huge riots happened in 2020, it was the exact same thing that was happening. And so it's a little bit of a, a tell that this isn't just necessarily political uprises that's happening. This is a spiritual war we're in. The enemy knows it. The enemy's trying to affect the atmosphere, and he's taking advantage of people's frustrations. He's taking advantage of people's feels their, their sense of injustice, and they're rallying people around something they really don't know what they're rallying around. And so these people started, they went into the middle of the square. They started casting all their spells and all this stuff, and I'm just watching. I'm like, this is interesting. Like, okay. And you could tell they were like, uh, getting a little frustrated. So they stood up, and as soon as they stood up, 
Hundreds of Antifa people came into the square, parked themselves right in the middle of the square, and they just stood there. And then they started walking around like zombies. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. Some of them just started taking a few selfies. <laughs> there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. There was nothing in the... We had already bathed the ground with the presence of God. There was nothing in that ground where the seed of the enemy could actually affect chaos and change. And I want to tell you, one of the biggest ways we can do that is to let our voices be heard through praise and worship. You know what? Our worship, our praise, our time of singing, it's not just about singing songs in a room together. That's cool. That's great. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, there's something powerful that happens when the body of Christ goes outside of here and lets her rip. There's something that happens in the atmosphere when we are not... Uh, we don't back down. We're not afraid to let our voices be heard. And I'm telling you, even just from a natural standpoint, you go outside and you start singing and your voice seems like 10% of what it normally is just because of the normal acoustics. But then the enemy comes up with intimidation. I don't know how many times we've gone out and worshiped outside and, and people come up and just start being intimidating, all this stuff. That, that, is, that is an invitation to sing even louder. That's an invitation to press even more into the heart of God. That's an invitation to release more of his presence and his atmosphere into that ground. Because the more we do that, the less ground the enemy has for his seeds to go. So I want to encourage you guys, worship is such a powerful thing in this house. I know you value it so much, but I want to encourage you, get out there too and do it. Because that really does bring much change to your area and to your city. Amen? Cool. Just off of what he's saying, like, we're just going to do a little prophetic flow. I just feel this after he's saying. I just feel like the, the Lord wants to break off intimidation today. I, I think that there, with, over the last, and we're going to probably get into this a little bit more, but I just feel to pray over us because there has been a muzzle on the body of Christ that has tried to come on, just not even in, not even in um, just worship or expression. It really is in the spirit of truth being released and saying something with your voice when you know you need to say something and overcoming the fear of what could happen or the fear of um, whatever it is, just fear, period. Um, and there's something to that the enemy wants to diminish what you carry. It's trying to diminish the significance of the body. Each person here carries the glory of God inside of them. You have the king of glory on the inside of you. So you're not saying your own stuff. It's not just like, oh, I'm saying it. No, what's coming out is the roar of the lion of Judah. And what the enemy is trying to do is actually make the roar a little itty bitty thing. So I'm telling you the truth and no one's listening to the truth because it's not magnified in anything because I can't, I am having a hard time agreeing with it myself because the atmosphere does that. And so there's something that it's just an assignment and, and the truth is we can actually say, no, we reject that. Is it as easy as that all the time? No, you have to actually choose. You have to actually say, no, I'm not going to come under this. 
I choose to allow the Spirit of God to speak through me right now. I choose to trust Him. I choose to lean back into Him. I choose to let the lion out. Even what, what happened in worship today, how many of you felt really weird at the beginning at the thought of possibly roaring? So I just want to say, like, it feels like that outside the church. You have to get outside of yourself and into the Spirit of God. And that's the, that's the flesh. And there's something of an intimidation. I just want to pray. And so, actually, I'm just going to ask us to stand up. Um, we might have you stand up a couple times. <laughs> but I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you just to picture Holy Spirit. Picture Holy Spirit in your mind. Um, you're, we're one with the Spirit of God. We're one with the Spirit of God. He makes us one with Christ, right? We're one in Christ Jesus. You're not just your own. You're in Christ. And I want you to feel in your innermost being the Spirit of God stirring within you. Because right now there is a stirring and there's a brooding of the Spirit of God within each one of us that's breaking through the boundary lines. And so in Jesus' name, I just decree over every mouth, every heart, let the rivers flow, the innermost being rivers flow. We just decree that the dams are being broken in Jesus' name. The places that have been stopped up, broken. God, we decree the spirit of intimidation is cut off now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We loose now the river of God from our innermost being. We say rivers flow, Holy Spirit flow, Lion of Judah to flow every bit of boldness that comes from the throne of heaven we just decree it to flow in jesus name we break open the atmosphere in jesus name our in the inner in inner man atmosphere our inner man atmosphere we say we are breaking out we are breaking forth with joy in Jesus' name. We will not be silent in Jesus' name. We loose the lips right now. Loosing the lips of praise, the high praise, which is as a sword in our mouth, God. Let the high praises flow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for shifting our mindsets, shifting our hearts, bringing us back into alignment with who you are. Your greatness, your majesty, your awesomeness, God. We thank you for that. Thank you for boldness in the workplace. Thank you for boldness on the streets. Thank you for boldness in Starbucks, boldness in Fred Myers, boldness with our children's school, boldness wherever we are, God, when we hear your voice, that we open our mouth and let you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Part of that shift is a shift of perspective as well. Um, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The day you said yes to Jesus was the day that you entered the ministry. I don't care where you get your paycheck from. You might get it from Fred Myers. You might have your own business. But when it's all said and done, you and I are all ministers of Jesus Christ. And until we walk out these doors with that perspective, we're going to just fall into the same patterns of living a quiet life, of being okay with being stifled, 
with being okay, with feeling muzzled. But the minute we take it on ourselves that our city and our businesses and our families will see change, will see Jesus come through us, until that day happens, things are just going to stay the same. A few people who get a paycheck from the church is not going to change the world. Now, not downplaying people who get a paycheck from a church. It's important. But I want to tell you that if you want to see change come to your city, walk out these doors knowing that you are in the ministry. We need to change our language. Don't look down on a job that you have right now because it's not in the church. Maybe that is your hope. That's fine. But I want to tell you this. I've lived in the professional world for most of my life, and I I think I advance the kingdom maybe a lot more in that world than I am in this world. Maybe. I have no idea. I don't want to judge that per se. But there's a lot that can be done in that life, in that world. It's all one world. There's no sacred. There's no secular. It's all God's. God wants to extend his kingdom into us all. I remember when I asked Deneen's dad for her hand in marriage, and he sat me down and he said, I will give my permission, but I want you to have, I want you to do two things. Or tell me two things. First thing, if you guys have any issues, I want you to go to counseling. I'm like, Yes, I can, I can agree to that. That makes sense. And the second thing he said was, I want you to promise me that you're going into the ministry. Now, I know you don't know me, but at the time, I had no interest at all in working for a church. In fact, I, had, I, I love the church. I love being involved with the church. I've always been involved with the church. But the, the last thing I wanted to do was actually work for a church. But I remember in that conversation, I could honestly tell him, of course I'm going into the ministry. Because I was thinking in my head, I didn't tell him this, I'm already in the ministry because I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Thank you. What I didn't say is I, I knew what he was saying, but I, didn't, I still knew I needed, wanted to marry her. So I said yes to it. Uh, but, the, but you're also in the ministry of the church. But here I am, I, I, you know, I guess let your yeses be yes, and it ended up being that way. But it is. It's a shift. It's a shift of perspective, and it's a, it's, it, takes the, it makes the onus on us to go out and see this. We can't just leave it to the people who actually get a paycheck from the church to see the stuff happening because we all need to see the stuff happen. Do we, do we believe that? Do we want that? All right, the Lord's equipping us and giving us that. So today God wants to release something over this house. Um, we felt really strongly there's, there's an invitation into something he wants to release and we're going we're gonna to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls, the things that keep us from actually entering into what he wants to release today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Romans 15. Romans 15, 13. And this is what he's releasing over us today. This is his invitation. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that one more time, just so you know what God is inviting you into today. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the key things here is that phrase, as you trust in him. And I believe that we can all honestly say in this room, yes, we trust him. But there are certainly things that come into our lives that create a grid and create something that we actually look through that does not help us in our quest of trusting him more. There are experiences we go through. uh, There's chaotic things around us. The enemy is constantly trying to put things in front of our eyes and look at other things. The enemy doesn't care what we look at. He really does I mean, we could be looking at uh, horrible things on the internet, or we could be looking at Netflix, or we could be uh, looking at a book. It doesn't matter what we're looking at as long as we're not looking at Jesus. As long as our hope is distorted a little bit. And so there's a few things that we want to talk about today that is, if we don't address It's going to be a hard thing to trust in him. It's going to be a hard thing to enter into his joy and his peace that he wants to release over us because we still have these filters and we still have these grids that we go through. One of the first things is the filter of disappointment. If you're a human being, you've had disappointment in your life. There's a story we are all familiar with in John 11 about Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Jesus was away from where Lazarus lived. He was a two days journey away and Jesus and his disciples got word that Lazarus was very sick and they were asking Jesus to come. And Jesus knew in that moment because he, doesn't, he didn't do anything he didn't see the father doing. He knew that he needed to wait there. And he knew there was a greater purpose for what was going to happen. He knew, Jesus, or he knew Lazarus was going to die. And so they waited. They waited for two days. And then they end up showing up to Lazarus's home. And we know this story where Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, come out. And it's, there's some beautiful things. And we could actually park here all day if we really had the time. And we won't. But there's some beautiful exchanges that happen in that time, and I want to read one of the conversations that Jesus had with Martha. Martha said, you know, Jesus, if you would have just come, if you would have just come earlier, you could have done something about this. And Jesus said to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And many of us today have gone through experiences where, you know, they've been difficult or things didn't work out the way we wanted them to work out. And so our expectations for God in that time have been lowered to a point where we can say, yeah, God can do something versus God will do something. 
It's a different heart attitude. And in that moment, Jesus was saying Lazarus was going to rise again. But even then, Martha didn't even believe in that moment that Jesus could or Jesus was going to. She reserved her hope. She reserved her expectation for when it was all said and done, when everybody would be risen from the dead. And the Lord today wants to come, and he wants to cut off the assignment of disappointment off of our lives. And so our attitudes and our perspective is, is one that says, I trust in God. Not that he's going to eventually do something. That's not really trust. Well, it is to a level. It's a degree. That's fine. But it's a completely different thing to say, I trust in God, and I'm not going to let go of those promises. Even if things do not look like they won't be fulfilled, I'm still going to hold on to those things for dear life. I'm still going to trust in the promises of God over my life. Even though I've gone through these disappointments, even though I don't understand why these things happened, the way they happened, God, I'm going to still trust you. Not for eventually something will work out. I'm going to trust you for now. I'm going to trust you in this moment. Because if we have a trust for the future, when it's all said and done, we are putting our Savior in death. Instead of putting, making our Savior Jesus right here in this moment, we've lost a degree of faith that says, I'm going to press in, and I'm going to contend. Even if I don't see it right now, I'm going to still believe. We partner with disappointment. What's really cool is sometimes we can get a glimpse of why things work the way they work. I love God, how he works things out. Sometimes we have no idea why he does it. It's kind of a cool thing what happened here, though. We can get a glimpse of, in that day... Jewish mysticism said that a person's spirit would stay in their body for three days after they were dead. And so if Jesus would have left immediately and not waited when he received word that Lazarus was sick, he would have still come two days after Lazarus was dead. He would have laid hands on him, or he would have called him out of that grave, and Lazarus would have risen up. And yet there would still be a seed of doubt saying, well, his spirit was still there. It wasn't really a legitimate miracle. But the fact that Jesus stayed for two days, showed up four days after Lazarus was dead, there was no doubt that this was a complete miracle of God that Lazarus was risen from the dead. And that's a really cool thing to see how God works those things out. But sometimes we don't even get a glimpse of why he works things out. But we still have to hold on to faith and trust and not allow disappointment to come in. There's something that happens in disappointment. There's an enticement by the enemy to have us marry our circumstances, have us covenant with the things that we're going through. And this goes back right to the garden. It was one, the first temptation of Eve. Let me read a couple scriptures. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That word knowledge there is the Hebrew word, I'm not going to pronounce it, but it's just knowledge. It's information. It's intelligence. 
You guys have probably heard the teaching on the Hebrew word yana, which is an intimate knowing. It's, it's the same word that's used when Adam knew Eve and they conceived. It's, it's something that's just not head knowledge. It's something experienced. It's something that's uh, grabbed a hold of. It's intimacy with this knowledge. And that's not that word that's used here. However, when the serpent comes and he tempts Eve, this is what he said. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Yachting both good and evil. He was enticing his invitation to Eve in that point wasn't just to know a head knowledge of good and evil. His invitation was, you're going to know it. You're going to be intimate with it. You're going to, be, you're going to experience this thing. And here's the thing. We are called, our invitation with the Lord is to yada him. And so instead of the enemy trying to get us to know our circumstances, to become uh, married to them, to have a covenant with our, ex- our experiences and the difficult things we're going. God is inviting us today to say, I want you to yada me in the middle of that experience, and I will help you process what, this is, what you're going through. But so often we come, we become intimate with our difficult times and our challenges and our disappointments And then we ask God, God, uh, you know, help me through this thing. He's like, well, you've already married your difficulty. You have to break that covenant off. And the Lord's invitation for us today is break off the covenant that we've had with our disappointment. And instead of yada, our, 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 our disappointments, our circumstances, he's saying, I want you to know me. In my presence is fullness. And today we've all gone through difficulties and we've all gone through hard times and we've, we've had disappointments. We don't understand all these things and we've become intimate with those things so they become part of who we are. And it's this grid and it's this perspective that keeps us from trusting God and receiving his joy and his hope that he wants to release into us today. Yeah, I would just, I would also like to add to that, that, you know, if we are intimate with our disappointments, disappointment eventually leads to offense. We become offended with God. We become offended in our mindsets. We become offended in our understanding because it didn't turn out or look like what we thought. We hold God hostage to an outcome we get mad at him. And what, what happens biblically when you're offended, actually the supernatural and the Holy Spirit cannot work. It actually closes the door to the working of the Holy Spirit. And we see that time and time again when Jesus encounters people and it says, and they were offended at him. It creates unbelief and it creates a place where miracles can't happen. And so we end up stuck in this cycle of offense. We end up stuck in the cycle of the place where where we can't actually see a transformation or shift because we have partnered and agreed with that oneness of offense. And so what, in what Ty is saying, I believe that God wants to break that off today too. But also a secondary part of that is chaos, storms, not even just disappointment, but 
How many of you have been, felt like in the last three years you've been for a ride, tossed to and fro on a, on a sea of... <laughs> How many of you have felt the wind blowing and it's not a Holy Spirit wind, it feels like a very big demonic wind? And it's not even just on one front, it's on many fronts. Many people are battling sickness, many people are battling things in their family, loss, grief, different things that create turmoil in our souls. And you know, to me, the story of the disciples on the boat is, yes, it was, it was actual and it happened the way it happened, but I also believe it's a metaphor. It's metaphorical for what happens in our lives. We see the same principles happen. The disciples are in the boat and it's a normal night and all of a sudden this big squall and this big storm comes up and that to me is this how it is you know we're on the we're on the road to yes God's doing amazing things there's great things happening and we're all great and then the storm and all of a sudden we're like I have no idea who I am I don't know who God is all I can see is the storm all I can see is the chaos all I can see is all of the things around me that don't look anything like they're supposed to and then we start to look internally what's wrong with me why am I only seeing these things? And instead the Lord's like, hey, yo, I'm here. Haven't left yet. Still here. I might be sleeping in the boat, but I'm here. And a lot of times we just, we forget that. We get into the thing. It's like, we're going, we're going. And then full stop. What's wrong with me? <laughs> but God is wanting us today to realize that he is closer than we think. You know, the Israelites were pinned between the Red Sea and a whole army of Egyptians in Exodus 14, 14. And you hear it say, the Lord say, stand still, stand still and see the salvation of God. Stand still. And then when Jesus is in the boat and he gets up, he's like, the disciples are freaking out. They think they're going to lose their life. You guys, this was like, I'm going to lose my life. How many of you felt I, things are going so bad, I think I'm losing my life? I mean, it's real. We feel the emotion. We feel the turmoil. But here, Jesus is like, hey, guys, did you forget I was here? And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, what? Peace, be still. Shalom. Shalom is mind, body, soul, spirit, health. The full being. Peace. It's not just inactivity. It's coming into who Jesus is as the prince of peace. It's what guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There's a Psalms 46.10. It's a really famous psalm. A lot of people like to quote this verse. It's, it's taken out of a story, but it, it's be still and know that I am God. How many of you heard that? Another translation says cease striving and know that I am God. But what that verse really actually says in the, in the Hebrew is really interesting. Um. It says, See, be still or cease striving. That word for still and striving is the word rafa, spelled R-A-P-A in Hebrew. And if you look it up in your Bible, if you look down the little link, because if, if you're like a total Bible nerd like I am, I'm a word nerd, um, you can see it. It says, look at this link. And you click the link, and it takes you to Jehovah Rapha. 
same spelling, R-A-P-A, except Jehovah Rapha is who? God, our peace, God, the one who stills the storm, and it's a name with a covenant attached to it. And so the next word is, and know, be still and know. That word know is the same yada word. And so the be still is the first still, R-A-P-A, Rapha, means to sink down. It means sink down into, let down into. Cease striving, let down into Jehovah Rapha, your healer, the one who is your fullness, and know, experience him, that he is God. And so when we actually start to get the, get the essence of this, be still and know, stand still and know, it's not don't do anything, it literally is stand still in Christ. Know who he is, don't know who, don't know the storm. Don't be like, well, all of these things, well, yes, but it comes into Christ. If we bring it subject into who he is, he comes over it. His feet come over it. We're in Christ, the overcomer. We're in Christ, the shalom. We're in Christ, our healer. So the places where we have been made raw because of storms and shaking, the places that have cut open, maybe you've experienced deep sorrow. Maybe you've had grief in this last season. Maybe you've had tremendous loss in this last season. Maybe fear. Maybe things have been cut off. And you think, oh my gosh, God, I can't take any more. How can I go on? And I want to tell you this, sink down into Jehovah Rapha. You can't go on by yourself. But you need his healing, and he's above the storm. And he's already rebuked it. In him, there's shalom. And it doesn't mean that all the things just conveniently go away, but it means that your position in the things changes. And I want to tell you today, this is a word for all of us. It's not just me talking to you. This is a word for the body of Christ. We need to stop looking at all the storms and all the demonic things that are coming up against us and seeing how great and amazing the giants are in the land. Okay, it doesn't take rocket science to see those giants. It doesn't take rocket science to see the wind of the demons and the demonic and the the chatter and hear all the things. But it takes self-control and trust to put yourself into Jehovah Rapha and sink down and let him hold you. There is a fullness of Christ. It's a John 10, 10 abundant life that we have not known and we have not experienced yet. He wants to release it to hearts today. I feel it so strongly. I feel it so strongly. He wants to come in, in all the places that are raw, that are dry, that are cracked. He wants to bring that resurrection, John 10, 10 life. He doesn't just want you alive. He wants you thriving in him. And the river of water that Angela saw, the river of water, that's the cleansing. That's the beginning of us realizing that all of the disappointments that Ty talked about, all the storms that have caused a different narrative to rest in our being, get washed off when we are cleansed by the water of the word of God, of who he is. We are reminded who God is. 
It's not enough just to, oh, maybe. We have to believe and know that he is who he says he is, and it's his word and his water that washes us clean. And then it's the oil that you saw of the healer, Jehovah Rapha, that comes in and he puts this beautiful smearing of his Holy Spirit into our being and he covers the places that have been uncovered. He heals the places that have been cracked so that we can contain the glory and the fire and the new wine that he's pouring out. We're not settling for the old season. The old is gone. Let it go. The new has come. And it's time to reach out and believe he is who he says he is. He will never fail. His word will never fail. And he's the one that we need to be yoked to. One of these other things that will keep us from actually entering into God's hope and to his joy is approaching life and looking at things from our own vantage point, our own reasoning, our own understanding. God asks us to do things sometimes in our lives that don't make any sense. How many have, how, how many have been led by the Lord to do something you have no idea why he's doing that? All right. I honestly believe we should always be found in a place like that. If he's going to be doing greater things than we can even hope or even understand what he's doing, then we should be found in that place, that edge, that tension of even like, I don't know necessarily, I don't get the whole picture of why God's asking us to do this, but he is. But if we go through life saying, I'm going to do things when I understand or how I understand or the way I think it makes sense, it's going to create a lot of problems in our lives. There's a story with Israel's first king, Saul. And Israel came against the Amalekites who, I don't, want, I don't have time to go into the backstory there, but it, it was a nation who... Basically, they've been warring for a very, very long time. And they had done a lot of bad things to Israel. And finally, God told Saul, it's time to take care of it. He said in 1 Samuel 15, 2, sounds kind of harsh, but this is what God said. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite him and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. That sounds kind of harsh. And I imagine 
What was going through Saul's mind at that point when God told him to do this? And in his own reasoning, Saul saw fit to go and do most of that, but not all of that. What was going through his mind, I don't know exactly, but I can imagine, well, I'm going to spare the king because if I was in the same situation, I would hope that they would do the same thing for me. And so he didn't wipe out King Agat. And he didn't wipe out the entire family. Samuel eventually killed King Agag. But some of the family still survived. And why do I bring up this story? Well, Saul, under his own reasoning, said, I hear you, God, but I think this way makes a little bit more sense to me. And how many times have we done that in our lives? We've said, okay, God, I hear you. I think that's good, but I think maybe this way, just a little slight variation makes a little bit more sense for my circumstance, or, uh, and so a little, little disobedience is a lot. It's the same. A little disobedience is still disobedience. A little rebellion is still rebellion. Five hundred years later. One of the descendants of those people that Saul did not wipe out was a man named Haman. And if we know the story of Esther, we know that Haman came this close to destroying the entire nation of Israel. One choice, one decision of saying, I think my way is a little better than God's way, creates a complete other storyline that should not have been. On the other side, David. David was going through a town once, and this guy on the side of the road starts shouting out and yelling all these things at David and, you know, all these things, I don't know, whatever they shouted out during those days. It was not very nice. Either, whatever. Yeah, all, those, all the things you can imagine. And one of David's men said, dude, I'm going to take care of this guy. He needs to die. There's no way he should get away with speaking these words to you. And David said something interesting. He said, let him alone and let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. It's interesting. Again, out of our own natural inclination, David had the power to take care of this guy. This guy had no right to do that. In fact, it was pretty rare occasion when something like that would happen, go unpunished. He actually did get his stuff through Solomon, but that's another story. However, 500 years later, this guy from the family that David spared his life, which didn't make any sense, 500 years later, 
a guy named Mordecai was risen up from that family. We have two choices from two different men. Both of the things didn't make much sense. One of them said, I'm going to do my way, created Haman. David, who says, I probably should kill this guy, but God, I, I see you in this thing. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to spare him. That choice, 500 years later, created a guy named Mordecai who has actually helped save the nation of Israel. Can you see how important our obedience is? Can you see how important not looking at things from our own perspective is? We don't get it. We don't get the full perspectives. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. And yet if we live our lives just on our own thoughts and processes, like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to, even if it's just these subtle little things, I'm telling you, it's going to take us off course. It's going to remove us from fully trusting and investing in who God is in that moment and who he wants to be for us in the future. There are a lot of other ways that can take us out of God's invitation today to enter into more of his joy and his, his hope and his peace. One of them is disqualification. Maybe you feel like you don't have the gifts. Maybe you feel like you don't have what it takes for God to use you. But all these things today, we need to recognize what they are. They're all distractions. They're all things that the enemy uses to keep us from fully entering into what God has invited us in today. And so today, we're going to we're going to repent. Because we've all done this. We've all fun, fallen under the trap of disappointment. We've all married our disappointment, covenanted with it. We've all listened to the chaos. We haven't entered into God's rest and his be still. We've all done things out of our own reasoning. We all feel disqualified. What an amazing bunch we are. But we are. But we are in Christ. God's story is still being written over our lives. Are we going to choose today to stay in the same place? Are we going to choose to still stay in a place of disappointment? Are we going to choose today to lay those things at his feet? Yeah, I just want to, I also want to add all of this stuff, it just boils down to, do you believe God is who he says he is? It really boils down to, even, even if you don't understand, even if you, all the things, even if you're disappointed, even if you're whatever, do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that God will do what he said he will do? Do you? And most of the stuff that we don't realize is when we enter into these things, we start to covenant with other things. 
See, when we come into to being saved and we come into salvation and we come into relationship with Christ, it's through the covenant of his blood. We come into covenant. We then give our lives and we say we consecrate our lives to the Lord, right? We walk in the ways of the Lord, except when we start doing this stuff and we covenant, we actually become one with other things. It's a form of idolatry. It's a form of, it is, it's a form of just saying, this is better. My, it may be idolatry of our own selves, our own thinking, of the world's thinking of whatever it is. We're actually stepping out of our covenant. God's faithfulness is still there. He's still who he is, but we've turned to another. And this is the opportunity. This is what is so beautiful about repentance. It's such an amazing gift. It's such a wonderful thing. The blood of Jesus is the most amazing thing. It is actually full of everything we need. He is everything we need. And it's an opportunity not just to change our mind, but to put ourselves back into him, covered by him, in the covenant blessings that he's provided for us. And so things like that, if you fear the Lord and you walk in his ways, it will go well with you and with your family, your children's children, and your children's children will be blessed and taught by the Lord. If you have the fear of the Lord and you've changed your mind and you start to walk with the Holy Spirit, believing, not just, oh, I'm here today, but actually believing that he is who he says he is, you receive an impartation of his character, of his nature inside of you. You become conformed into his image and you start to demonstrate the kingdom around you this is what we're invited into we're not invited into some mamsy pamsy kumbaya service that would be so boring don't you think god is not boring i'm so glad he's not boring really but i mean with all the stuff that we're dealing with it just always feels like you know all the things, because we live on an earth. We live on an earth right now that needs to be transformed, and it's not. And it's our responsibility to start to transform it. But unless we're transformed in our inner man, we can't transform anything else. So there's this call that says, hey, guys, I bought you. I redeemed you. I love you. I've called you. Christ is saying, come be with me. Be yoked with me. Let's go do the stuff. Let's hang out. Come be like me. Come be me in the world. Come shift it so it looks like me. Come demonstrate my kingdom. Come know me as who I say I am. Come know me. Come be still. Let your internal territory be totally, radically shifted and changed and so full of me that nothing else can get in there and shift it. Now you say, well, Deneen, you might be passionate about that. Yeah, I might be, just a little bit. But this is because I know, I've seen, I've watched believers get disappointed and get taken out. I've seen believers get offended, and the next thing you know, we're hearing, well, I've lost the faith. No, you haven't lost the faith. You've chosen something else. And I'm not saying it to because I want to have us be hit by a two by four. That's not the goal of the Holy Spirit. He's not trying to smash us all to pieces. However, there is a wake-up call in the realization that we have compartmentalized our lives. And we've separated so many things away from our relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, come on, bring it all back into me because that's the only place you can live. And everywhere else that we're not living in him, if we're not choosing him, if we're not daily saying, I'm going to put my eyes on you, Lord, if we're not daily saying, I'm going to receive the grace and the empowerment that you paid for so that I can walk in the power that you've given me, then we're really just saying, Jesus, I just don't, I, I don't think it was worth it. I don't think it, I need it. 
And that's living a double-minded life. But we're called to more. I mean, how amazing is it that Jesus did all those things on the earth, and then he says, greater things, greater things. There's greater things to do, but we can't see the greater things if we don't see the main thing. And so that's the call today. I just feel, I feel like, you know, it can sound, we can sound like, oh, there's all these things. And it can sound really heavy. It's not really heavy. It's just a choice. You have to be faced with the choice to choose. He's not going to make you. But, oh, man, what the marvelous life of that choice of him brings. And how it changes everything. And how you get to change everything with him. And so it's such a beautiful, I want you to see, I want you to hear, it's such a beautiful invitation to taste and to see and to know that he's good, to know his peace, not, not because it's information, because you know the prince of peace, because he's ruling in here. It's amazing to be able to hear someone say something and you know it's not true, but yet turn around and love them like Christ does and see God shift and rock them. And actually have them experience a real God that loves them. It's amazing to watch dead things come to life. But all that can't happen if we are not right in our heart with the Lord. And that's what we're saying. We're just saying, come on, guys. Let's change our minds. Let's change our minds. Whatever the filter has been. Whatever the disappointment, whatever the hard things have tried to redefine or have a different narrative, let's change our mind and choose to understand that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And there's something better for us in him than apart from him. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So if you today want to enter into this invitation and say, yes, can you just stand up with me? We're going to pray. And I want to remind you what he's inviting you into. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if any of these things resonated with you and you know there's things you're still holding on to that you need to let go of that are affecting you from entering into his joy and his peace and his hope, we're just going to do it. We're going to repent. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It's an invitation into his perspective. It's an invitation of letting go of the old and stepping into the new. There's no shame in repentance. There's joy in repentance because it's a new day. So, Lord, today we come before you. Lord, you are full of grace. You are full of mercy. You love us so much. You're so patient with us. You're so kind. So Lord, we thank you for the invitation that you have for us today to enter into more of you. But first, Lord, we want to repent. We acknowledge God, that we've allowed these things into our lives, that we've held on to these things, that we've allowed these things to affect how we conduct our lives, to affect how we think. We repent for holding on to disappointment. 
We repent for making it our identity. We repent, Lord, for becoming intimate with our experiences rather than becoming intimate with you. We repent of listening to the chaos and the swirl instead of diving into your rest. We repent for doing things out of our own reasoning, for not fully obeying, because it may not make sense. Forgive us for making our ways higher than your ways. We, th- we repent, Lord, of listening to the lies of disqualification, of being short-sighted, of thinking we are less than. God, you've made us more than conquerors. We are powerful because we are in you. You have made us to be your hands and feet. You have made us. We are your sons and we are your daughters. And so today, Lord, we choose to let go of all those things, Lord, we've held on to today for an exchange of what you have. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we receive. We receive your joy. We receive your hope. We receive your peace. We choose today to grab a hold of you. We choose today to let go of the old. We choose today to hope again, to rise up again, to walk in joy. To not go back to those things that have held us back. To not go back to the things that have brought us down. To not go back to the things that have caused us sorrow. We choose you. We choose you. We choose you. We choose to look at things from your perspective. We choose hope. We choose hope. So just grab a hold of it right now. In the name of Jesus, we just release the spirit of hope and joy into this room. God, touch hearts now. Burn in hearts right now, Lord. Even those experiences that are still lingering, God, I pray that you would just wipe those things away. All the effects, Lord, all the mental pathways that have gone down the same road of same thinking, Lord, we cut it off in the name of Jesus, and we just receive a new way of looking, Lord. We receive your mindset. I just have a prophetic word over this house, and, I, and um, so I'm just going to re- release it. <laughs> so I just see the lampstand of the house right here. I just see it. I see it on fire. I see it ablaze. And I just hear the voice of the Lord saying, there has been a past time where it is blazed, and you've looked at it, and it is blazed, and it is blazed, and you said, it's good. It's good. God said it's good. 
And then it continued on, and it still blazed. Sometimes it was a little bit, sometimes it was a lot, and it was still good. Then I see in the spirit a wave that came to try to snuff it. The Lord was not happy about it. And I hear the Lord saying, I am your defender, and I have not allowed the enemy to put out that lampstand. In fact, he's jealous for the lampstand of this house. I could feel it. And I just saw in the spirit an anointing starting to come, and it was like oil being poured out, but it's in the form of a garland actually going over the lampstand. I know it's so weird. You can't put garland on fire, but somehow you can. It's a crown, okay, for all you people that have a hard time with that. It's a crown. And I just hear the crown of beauty is being placed on this house. It's a new glory. It's not just about the fire, but it's about the beauty of God on display. And so I just decree over this house, this is a season of beauty. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is an exchange where the enemy has tried to come. God says no, and even more than no, I now king you, I crown you with beauty. Just decree over this house the oil of beauty, the oil of joy, where people will come in and they will have soiled garments. They will have garments that have been nasty, but there has been a shift and a change in this house. There's a fresh anointing to bring forth beauty from ashes. And we just decree that the season of this house, it will be fiery, but it will be beautiful. It doesn't diminish the former. It adds to it the beauty. It's another dimension of the glory of God filling this house. There is a crowning. It's a crowning moment. I hear the Lord saying it's a crowning moment. It's a reward for faithfulness, for perseverance, for endurance. I, he, is so, he is so pleased with this house. And I just lose it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for that crown. I thank you for this new dimension that you're adding to this house. I pray that it would just break open. We just decree to the groundwaters to break open. We say break open every place that has been dammed up, every place that has been filled with other things. We say no. We say break open the ground, the oil of joy to run through. The season is shifted. The time has changed. The grave clothes have come off, and there is now beauty in this place and the resurrection Christ and I just see I, I you know I don't know what's going to happen in the future I don't even have any inklings I'm just going to prophesy this this house will be known for the resurrection life of Christ it's about him it's a, it's about his glory it's not about and, and God is so faithful I love how he builds he builds on foundations he none of the foundations go away he adds and he expands and he brings this double portion triple portion I say quadruple portion anointing into the fourth generation on this house yeah, I see it. I also heard this scripture, and I just want to say it over you, because I feel like this is something you guys can declare when you come up against, when you're, there's resistance. I, I was hearing this very clearly. It's in Micah chapter 2. It's Micah 2.13. It says, the breaker goes up before them. They break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. So their king goes before them, and the Lord at their head. 
And I just feel to say, as long as Jesus is at the head of this church and at the head of this house, it will not fail. It will prevail. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Oh, man. That was a really great prophetic word, but I want to just say the message that they released this morning was also another prophetic word. I don't, I don't want us to just pass by that. I also know that uh, how many of you, when we were just praying, when Ty was praying, had things pop up? I didn't expect to. I was like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And I had one, and it's actually a big one. And, like, I'm going to need to go and talk to the Lord about it. I think some of us in this room are going to need to go and talk to the Lord about some things and to do business with the Lord. But I also heard excuses in the spirit. I heard a lot of excuses. Yeah, but not that. Or, well, but what about this? Lots of justifications for um, whether it's being offended or being disappointed. That covenantial thing is a big deal. It doesn't like to die hard. You know, it, it, it does die hard, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't want to let go. It wants to cling on. It wants to hang on. It wants to make you go, well, this little justification. That was such a good word about Saul and David. Don't miss that, friends. These little compromises, these little Oh, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal to the Lord. It's a big deal to your future. It's a big deal to your life. And I think we know what they are. And for some of us, they're the same. And for a lot of us, they're different. But we're a one body. And it affects the whole. So I just encourage you, let's do business with the Lord that was a prophetic word to the house, just like the same one that Danine just uttered with hope attached to it. They both have hope attached to it. There is restoration attached. There is redemption attached to both. Repentance is a beautiful gift. So, Lord, I just thank you for the gift of repentance. I thank you for the ability to come into your presence and say, oh my, this is inside of me. I want to give it to you. Please help me with it. There's some stuff that we can't, like, we can't muster it up on our own. God will do the work. We just have to bring it to him. And so, Lord, would you give us the help and the grace to actually come in and ask <laughs> for the gift of repentance so that we can be those ones that their little yes, their little yes that may not look like much in the moment has generational impact, longevity. It's for our children and our children's children. I heard the fourth generation. So, Lord, at least for the fourth generation, let our yes be uh, yes to you today, God, and let us say no when we need to say no God, thank you for this word. We don't want to just like go to lunch and forget about it. Would you speak to us all week, Lord, and lead us in to the, the place of repentance so that times of refreshing may come. 
and so that we can step in fully to all that you have for us. God, we, we believe your word is true. We have been declaring the lordship of Jesus. Even in the last two weeks, that's been the full message. Everything, out, it, everything else pales outside of Jesus is Lord. So we just declare again, you are Lord. You are Lord of our lives, Lord. You are Lord of this house. You're Lord of the city. You're Lord of all. You are Lord. And we love you. And we are yours. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.